Well, hello there, everyone, and welcome to another jam-packed episode of the podcast. For those about to pod, we salute you. On this episode, Matt and I will be discussing the Taylor Hawkins Tribute Concert, the Stone Dead Festival, new releases, My Year in Rock, which is 2012, and the best part of the show, Hidden Gem Time. And here he is, the podcaster in the South, Mr. Matt Rogers. How are you, Matt? Hello, Brian. Yes. Good. How are you? I'm really good, actually. It's been a busy, busy, busy week. I'm not quite sure where we want to start the podcast. Jam-packed. Jam-packed. I like that. Yeah. (laughs) Packed with jam. (laughs) And cream. And cream. We we could get into that whole Cornish. What You know the way when you do clotted cream is a jam on top or cream in the bottom. It's, Mm. I'm I'm English, or sorry, I'm Irish, so I can, I can talk out of it. (laughs) <laughs> Good start. Whether <laughs> you're English or Irish, let's, let's move on. Exactly. So where will right. we start? This. W- well, I think there's only one place to start, yeah. is there? Really? Don't you? Yes, the Taylor Hawkins tribute concert. Six hours of music. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. We weren't there. We watched it on. Um, well, I was watching it on YouTube. Um, Nick was there. Our friend Nick was there. Yeah. And his wife Julia. Hello, Nick. Uh, hope, you had, hope you had a great time. I'm, I'm, I'm going to catch up with him uh, later this week and find out how it was. But um, yeah, just uh, I, I, I was just transfixed for the whole. What was it? As you say, six hours. Yeah, fantastic. I think the production. Just before we get into the music and the and the performances were just that were just amazing. But the production and the timing and the quality of the of the you know, whatever it might be, the editing or anything like that. It was just, just fantastic. I mean, I, for one, I'm looking forward to the, to the Blu-ray or the DVD or the film or the whatever it comes out yes. of, it, of it, because it, there was some, well, some once in a lifetime performances, just, just unbelievable. And the emotion, it was, it was emotion packed as well, wasn't it? I mean, as you can imagine, uh, and, but it was, it was done in, in a really, I think a really tasteful way throughout. And, um, you know, there wasn't there wasn't a, there wasn't too much schmaltz, but there was there was a sufficient amount of sort of a sufficient amount of it. Taylor has always worn his influences on his sleeve, mm. um, and we all know that you know Queen Queen was a big band of uh, Taylor's. The foos pretty much always played under pressure or mm. somebody to love um, as as one of their covers. Massive Stuart Copeland fan. I think I yep. think Taylor owns a few of Stuart's earlier drum kits. Massive Rush fan, and and when all of the uh, members, uh, you know, surviving members of those band are, are willing to get together to pay tribute mm. to um, to a young man, yeah. and he was a young man. Um, it just shows you how much he touched those people um, in a short space of time. So, yeah, there was a uh, there was a few supergroups that could have been formed yesterday. <laughs> One or two. Oh my goodness! I thought of you. Yeah, there was there were quite a few um, supergroups. Uh, but you know, and one or two genuine supergroups, of course. We'll come on to that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> highlights for you, Brian. The highlights for me. Um, I'm going to go through s- things sequentially. Oh, we're going to do it sequentially. So the first. I think the first thing that blew my head off was really early doors. Um, Because obviously Liam Gallagher, you know, a big fan. Uh, Taylor was Mm. a big fan of Oasis. He opened it all up. Um, But my first OMG moment was when Josh Homme 
came on stage, um, Josh Holmes, the lead singer of uh, uh, Queens of the Stone Age and also um, them Crooked Vultures, um, they came on uh, the first super group of Niall Rogers, Josh Holm, um, Chris Cheney, um, who's a lifelong friend of, of Taylor's, and mm. Omar Hakim. They mm. came on and did a couple of David Bowie tracks and Josh Holm yeah. sang Let's Dance. And he did a very, very, uh, very, very gr- a good rendition of Let's Dance. I thought that was, that was my yeah. first, ooh, I wasn't expecting that to be as good as it yeah. was. And it was, and it kind of set the scene, didn't it? It's only uh, him and um, Liam Gallagher set the scene. It was very well rehearsed. Oh, I think they obviously spent a lot of time yeah. rehearsing. And and I was thinking about that story you told me about the excellent Guns and Roses. Sorry, excellent the uh, Freddie Mercury uh, tribute gig back in nineteen ninety two. You know, un- under rehearsed, but I mean, there was no, there were no signs of of anyone being under rehearsed. No. My, I just, and I did enjoy that. You're absolutely right. And, and Joshua Hom was was a revelation. I'm not sure about his rendition of Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, but we'll come back to that. Um, but the, I mean, you know, it's one of the very few, you know, thing, little critical points of the whole thing. And it was well intended, of course, Yes, in the absence of Elton John. But I'd say, I mean, Wolfgang Van Halen, if it had, if it had stopped with Wolfgang Van Halen, Dave Grohl, and Justin Hawkins doing On Fire from the first Van Halen album, not even a very well-known song, uh-huh. and Hot for Teacher. And and it was just, I mean, off off the scale. It was. Wolfgang Van Halen shredding. And you know what? In, from some angles, looking like his dad. I mean, it was uncanny. I mean, obviously, you know, he's it's the son of the, the, the great Eddie Van Halen, but... Uh, from certain angles, you know, you, you you just see see a little sort of little sort of bit of a bit of Eddie going on there, and it was just oh that that if it had stopped there, I'd have been very happy. I mean, it was just just tremendous, wasn't it? Did you think really he was that good a guitar player? Not before that. Not before, not before that. <laughs> no, no. Anyone who takes on note for note solos of yeah. Eddie Van Halen and pulls them off, yeah. Uh, just, just fantastic, yeah, and of I, course, um, yeah. Dave Grohl on um, on bass <laughs> on the bass, which was a recurring theme. But yeah, he was fantastic, fantastic. Yeah, um, I really like Chad Smith's story um, about um, the, the the music store in in LA. Yeah, the guitar center. Uh, yeah. Oh, I mean, that was beautiful, wasn't it? I mean, yeah. just. Giving giving stuff to kids, and, you know those little stories go unseen, don't they? Unheard. But oh, that was lovely. That was lovely. Um, as you say, so the group's John Paul Jones made an appearance. I don't know anyone actually noticed, but he sort of slipped on John Paul Jones from Led Zeppelin. That was good. The, do you know what a band? I you've seen them. I know you've mm. seen them, Crooked Vultures, a band I yeah. didn't know really much about, but. Uh, yeah, um, the segue from Elton's interview into Goodbye Yellow Brick Road was well-intentioned, but mm. I, I, as a singer myself, mm. I was watching that going, Josh started off really, in the lower register element, he's really great, but there was three backing singers, so mm. when it came to the really, really high-pitched falsetto mm. bit, I was expecting the backing singers to just sort of bail in and help Josh out and they didn't and I'm going he was left hanging but 
they, they let's just say he more than they more than made up for it with uh, they played Gunman off the mm. uh, off off their only album, yep. and then they played the Kona, is it the uh, Queen of the Stone Age track Long Slow Goodbye, which to mm. me is probably one of my songs of the day. That was mm. just oh, that's when it got heavy. It got rocky at mm. at. Uh, um, you know them corrupted vultures. Yeah, yeah, that was good. That was good. I really did enjoy that bit. And and you know, it was kind of you know similar in a way to the James Gang getting back together after fifteen years and not playing together. Joe Walsh and the rest of the guys. Uh, uh, that was good. And of course, the Pretenders, mm. uh, Mike Chambers and um, and uh, Chrissy Hyde, of course, Dave Grohl on bass again. Yeah, yeah that was good. Yeah. And, and Supergrass, of course, were, were in there as well. And I and I, and I, I like to think that. Um, there'll be a, a, a resurgence of interest in Supergrass because I think one of, they're one of those underrated British bands. Um, they did a, a cracking version of uh, All Right and then uh, they did that great story about um, Taylor Hawkins playing uh, caught, caught by the fuzz at about, what was it, 500 miles an hour or something like that, <laughs> that, that, that little clip. Yeah. And it was lovely, wasn't it? It was just, yeah. oh, I just, I just thought it was fantastic. Yeah. And then we got into the kind of serious end of the, um, of the day. Um, Brian Johnson and Lars Ulrich coming out to play, which I thought was quite nice, Back in Black and Let There Be Rock. I mean, what did you think of that? I think Lars held his own, didn't he? I have never seen Lars Ulrich with a bigger smile on his face. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> no, it, it's noticeable. Uh, and I've actually watched this back on YouTube. When we obviously watched it live on the telly, it looked as if Justin Hawkins was yes. battling with Brian Johnson for the microphone. Yeah, what there? So I, I thought, he's, is he getting a bit too starstruck <laughs> and he's run on things? Right, this is it. Once in a lifetime chance. I'm going to go on and steal some of the limelight and do a, do a verse of Back in Black. Is Not at all. No. Talk, talk, talk me through it, Brian. So I, I thought, I knew we would talk about it and, I, and, it, and it looked... Boys and girls, if you're watching it on the live stream, that Justin Hawkins was like fighting with the microphone with Brian yeah. Johnson while Brian is, is you know, singing all the high notes. After, when they sang the first verse of Back, when, when, when Brian Johnson was singing the first verse of Back in Black, when he was just about to start the second verse, he actually waved over. We didn't see this on stage. Oh, I see. So I, this is on a fan's, this is on a somebody on uh, who videoed it on YouTube. It's on YouTube. So Brian Johnson basically, uh, you know, super sub, Justin, come on. Mm. So he's beckoning him on the stage. And of course, he gives the microphone to, uh, he gives the microphone to Justin Hawkins and then Justin Hawkins starts singing it. Justin's then trying to give Brian Johnson back the microphone and the pair of them of th this is probably where right we're in uncharted territories here mm, Justin's mm. kind of going I'm giving you the microphone back Brian but you're not singing but we've a hundred thousand people so it was one of those yeah. moments where Justin's kind of like fighting to give the microphone back to Brian but mm. still being professional and singing uh, oh. So, 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 oh, Justin, okay. Justin did not. Justin was not fanboying, um, or or got lost in the moment. Brian Johnson went to Wembley Arena, super sub. Uh, I need stadium. somebody to come and help me. <laughs> I'm glad you cleared that up. Wembley Stadium, of course. Um, yeah, no, I'm glad you cleared that up. 
because I was wondering what was going on there. Having said that, Justin Hawkins did did do a great job throughout the whole gig. Yeah, um, yeah. He did uh, Coattail Riders songs. He did. They were uh, good. Lantern. They were really they were good. good. Yeah. He did uh, later on. He did an amazing version of um, Under Pressure, mm. doing both the high bits and the low bits. Um, <laughs> but before before we got to Queen, um, the remaining members of Rush came out: Alex Lifeson and Geddy Lee, mm. which to me as a, as a lifelong Rush fan, and it wasn't Rush, but they certainly, uh, as you said earlier, you know, recognising the fact that Taylor was a huge, huge Rush fan. Um, they, they, did, they were very gracious and came out and did uh, the overture of 2112, they did Working Man from the first Rush Absolutely. album. Absolutely. And, and then a magnificent version of YYZ with uh, Omar Hakim, as you, you, you mentioned earlier. Um, and in, in between... And this was the bit that really kind of, you know, brought a tear to my eye was when they mentioned their, their lost brother, uh, Neil Peer, who died in 2020. That was really, that was really poignant to me. In fact, the whole, the whole gig, I mean, I have to say there was a, there was a, there was a, it wasn't, I don't think it was a joyous occasion. It was quite a melancholy occasion. There wasn't, there weren't fireworks. There wasn't any huge egos. There was a, a kind of quiet melancholy that ran throughout the whole thing because, and, and we saw it with Dave Grohl. I mean, some of, some of his speeches and obviously the introduction of times like these, yeah. which, you know, he really struggled with yeah. was, was very, very heart, heart wrenching. And um, you could understand, I mean, you know, it all boils down to that. They've lost a, they've lost a friend. They've lost a, you know, a, a brother, as it were, and it's and it's tough. But I did enjoy I did enjoy the rush piece. I have to say, we were all waiting to see what the Foo Fighters would do by playing without Taylor. Who who would who would yeah. repl- who would replace Taylor? How would they do it? Um, and then we we before even t- before the Foo Fighters had to contend with that. Rush had to contend with that, mm. and and Getty and Alec haven't played with uh, Alex haven't played with anybody else than Neil Peart for fifty years, you know, nigh on fifty mm. years, mm. and Dave gets on stage and plays as you say twenty one, which I thought was amazing that to, to do the overture for twenty one twelve. Mm. It's just a shame it wasn't played at uh, twelve minutes past nine. <laughs> True. <laughs> that would have just made it all more prophetic. But the fact that Dave was playing with Rush, who was one of Taylor's favorite bands, they obviously mm. did YYZ. That would not mm. have been lost on Dave, but the band, you know, Alex and Getty would have been. They'd have been going. We're playing in front of a hundred thousand people, first time ever without mm. Neil. Yeah, and Getty. Getty took that moment to just say, we're going to remember our brother who we've lost yeah, just right. before, you know, whilst we're playing. It, it was quite emotional. It was. Absolutely. But, yeah, but they did. Absolutely. But Rush just did did what, uh, or the, the remaining members of Rush did what they did. And uh, it looked, it did look strange, mind. The, at that moment, I, Dave Grohl, who is an amazing drummer, he, during Working Man especially, he was battering the drums like Animal out of Muppet. Oh yeah, it was. It was like, and and then, and then of course Omar Hakim comes on, and mm. then you get into the technicalities of what Rush are all about. But yeah, that was that was a bit special. The the Rush absolutely, bit. yeah. And then of course uh, we had uh, Paul McCartney uh, uh, further down the track. He was he was good, um, and with Chrissy Hine. But I think that the icing on the cake. 
before before we heard from the Food Fighters was Queen, and I, and I did at the time think there's there is there is a sad symmetry with the um, the 1992 Freddie Mercury tribute concert. Mm. Um, uh, I mean, a spine tingling version of uh, Love of My Life by yeah sung sung by um, Brian May. Um, really good version of uh, We Will Rock You with Luke Spiller from the Struts. That was good. You, I think you enjoyed it, didn't you? Highlight of the total highlight of the entire gig. Mm. I was expecting Adam Lambert, if I'm being honest, mm. and Luke came out and his vocal inflections, the fact that they did both the slow and the fast version of "We Will Rock You." Yeah. In some ways, me personally, I would have had Luke singing all three songs. I would have had Luke doing. We will rock you under pressure and somebody to love. I thought he just, I thought he was perfect for Queen. No, yeah. no disrespect to Adam Lambert. I like Adam a lot. Um, but it, I, that was the surprise of the show for me. I was just like, wow, yeah. where did you come from? I know, that was good. It was very good. Um, and then finally, what I thought was really quite cool was Sam Ryder almost did a homage to. George Michael's version of "Somebody to Love" yeah. from the from the from the Freddie Mercury concert. So that, that was a nice way of kind of bookending the gig, yeah. um, or bookending their performance. Yeah. Um, and then the Foo's were, uh, I think there were, again there was a there was a melancholy, and 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 also when I was listening to the songs they chose, um, there is there is a sort of poignancy to a lot of their songs. Times like these uh, was just staggering and very very emotional um and uh, obviously finishing with uh, my hero with uh, shane yeah. shane hawkins on the drums in between times i wondered whether they were doing an audition for <laughs> uh, I, 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 we shouldn't really be you know uh, we shouldn't be frivolous about it i guess but um travis barker did a great job um josh freeze did a great job <laughs> rufus taylor from the darkness, Roger Taylor's son. I mean, wow. I mean, it, almost a Taylor Hawkins lookalike with the eagle tattoo, which are, I'm sure become very popular now, if, if it's not already popular. In fact, Brian, look, I've got something to show you. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, what did you think of that? I, I was, I was, as I was watching the concert, I was on Twitter as well too. And it was mm. interesting. Josh Freeze was the first drummer that played uh, times like he did the first two numbers and Twitter was blowing up going no need he's the man no need to audition anybody else Josh Freeze is the man mm. Travis Barker came out and uh, you and I are used we, you and I watch the dynamics of bands and uh, when when they played Monkey Wrench now interesting you talk about Supergrass playing uh, Caught by the Fuzz at 500 miles an hour mm. when, when when Travis Barker counted off <laughs> Monkey wrench. He, he went click, click. Dave wasn't ready, so they stopped. Then mm -hmm. he clicked it off again, and they went straight into monkey wrench, which was the punkest, fastest version of monkey wrench I've ever heard. Dave looks back in front, in in true frontman fashion, to Travis, and that look between the pair of them could either mean one of two things: good job, Travis, or mm. this is too bloody fast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean it is a yeah. fast song, but um, yeah, I think I think a lot of it was very, very, you know, 
Very fun. And, and of course, the adrenaline's taking over. Absolutely. I mean, Absolutely. thousand people, millions of people watching on TV and, uh-huh. and so on. But I think, I think all, all the drummers, in fact, all the performers all day, yeah. did a did a tremendous put job. their heart and soul um, into it i i thought absolutely. yeah and, and you know um rufus i thought rufus uh taylor um there was a connection you know mm. who knows what will happen with the food fighters i i hope you know i i hope after doing these concerts they continue as an entity but i could yeah. just see that rufus was playing his heart out and and the band could tell that it was that it was that Led Zeppelin moment in twenty two thousand seven, mm. when mm. Jason's battering away in the drums and the three mem- three more members of Led Zeppelin, sort of congregate around the the drum riser and have a moment as the four of them, and there was that moment last night with Rufus and the band and I thought that was re- really yeah. really lovely. Uh, yeah, I do too. Yeah. And I think you're right. I mean, I think it did almost sort of crystallise the potential for them to carry on. Uh, they've, 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 they've done the tribute gig. They're going to do another one in LA, um, which is this weekend coming. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that it was a very, very fitting tribute to, yeah. to a great man, obviously very well thought of, very well loved, great drummer, great personality. And, and, and as you said, you know, died sadly way too young. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So I think if you haven't seen the show, people, Go and watch it. Uh, it right from beginning to end. There will be some surprises there for you, um, mm. and you get to see a band who, in my view, are still relevant. Yeah. And I even got to hear songs, songs I heard last night for the first time. Aurora, which is one of, uh, which was Taylor Hawkins' favorite Foo Fighter song. A song I didn't know, um, mm. uh, and I've been listening to Foos and Shuffle all day today. Um, yeah, so amazing event, and probably you mentioned the the Friday tribute uh, concert in, in nineteen ninety two. It's probably that's probably the last time we've we've seen such an array of artists all getting together for uh, you know a cause. And let's not forget mm. the, the it is a. Um, it is raising money for Music Care. What we'll do, Matt, is we'll put a link to Music Care and all of the relevant information up on our Facebook page, which is yeah, the, yeah. Good idea. Yeah, good idea. There we go. That was okay. That was oh, good. Yes. Yeah. No. I mean, never to be forgotten. Great, great, great event. So, Brian, it will not have escaped your attention that there's a new King's X album out. Really? Just, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes. Uh, well, I mean, d- tell us about it. It's uh, is their first album in what fourteen years? I think it is indeed. Yes, fourteen years. Yeah. It's called um, Three Sides of One, which I quite like. It's quite a, quite a nice. It's obviously a three piece. Um, so, how excited were you when it, on the day of release? And how many different formats have you bought it in? <laughs> how many t shirts have you got? Downloads, etc., etc. Talk us through it. So. Um, luckily for me, I did get it, Matthew, in physical mm. format on the day of release, as okay. I always do when it comes mm. to King's X. I always get their album just so that I can text all my King's X buddies and friends and go, you know, have you listened to it? Have you listened to it? <laughs> but, the, but the fact that it probably 
uh, probably at one minute past 12 on Friday, September the 2nd, anybody in Europe and the UK could have listened to it all around the world on streaming mm. services. Mm. So it still does, it doesn't have that na 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 factor anymore when people can stream it. But um, as you say, it's the first album uh, from King's X in 14 years. I, uh, I'm sounding like a broken record. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Mm. And I love it probably for um, three key reasons. Number one, big shout out to Michael Parnon. Michael Parnon produced it. This album, Michael Parnon, has got King's X back to... It's between 1992 and 1994 for me, Matt. It's that perfect period between the self-titled album and Dogman. Um, It just takes you back to that classic King's X era... Um, the songwriting's fantastic, and I for for once I listened the whole way through to the album. Um, there's some songs which some some songs you don't love as much as others, but the last three tracks in the album, which are "Watcher," "She Called Me Home," um, "Every Everywhere," the strong the strong tracks through the album. It's nicely split. Ty Tabor, who's the guitarist, is singing on the album, as is mm-hmm. Jerry Gaskell. Um, and and a lot of the a lot of the writing's been done separately, brought together. So it feels like a King's X album, you know, mm. return of the the multi lead vocals and the harmonies. So I was very excited. I wasn't disappointed, and I've been listening to it as much as possible. Apart from the homework that you've set me uh, on the other albums, I've had to listen to as well too. But I I loved mm. it. Uh, great great album, and I'm just so disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> that no we're not getting to see them tour this album, mm. but Ty Tabor, um, we we wish him well. He's reco- he's recovering from some treatment, and hopefully we'll see him soon. But a, a very very welcome return to King's X. Very good. I'm, I'm glad you're pleased. <laughs> I can see it on your little face. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, well, I, I I I'd say I think it's the first King's X album I've listened to in its entirety, and I'm with you. I, I think it's great. I would urge everyone to go and. And listen, and 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 in thirty some odd episodes, Brian has relentlessly plugged King's X, and I think if you listen to this, you'll probably understand why. So, uh, yeah, there's go, a lot of disgruntled fans. I, I want to say there's lots of fa- there's, there's 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 some fans who like me ordered it, the the likes of Amazon etc. Amazon sold out, so there's people who have uh, they're they're sold out of the product of the physical product. So really? there, there was people who were disappointed and uh, who, that they didn't have their product in the day. And it's, it's sitting reasonably high on the, in the physical rock charts as well too. So, so yes, I'm very happy. It was a, a, a great release, but one uh, talking about a band that we, obviously I talk about King's X, but a band that you turned me on to. And in particular, the, the young singer of the band as well too, that we've seen with Mikey Gray is the mm. new revival back album. Yeah, uh, under the light. Mm. What do you think of that? I, really, I like it. I have to say, I mean, you know, two two more different albums you couldn't wish for in uh, Three Sides of One and uh, Under the Light. But um, yeah, I mean, it, I think it's got some great songs there. It's very kind of just it's very just very guitar driven rock. It's 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 multi tracked guitars. It's very heavy. It's great singing from Dan Byrne. Go and have a listen, everyone. Songs like Believe, I can't get it out of my head. Take me out, sorry, take you out, 
brother. And Hemispheres is a nice kind of uh, heartfelt sort of ballady type yeah, song. Yeah. But I really, I really enjoyed it. I was thinking about it, Brian, actually, because, you know, there are lots of bands in the new wave of classic rock movement, which is happening in, in the UK and across Europe to an extent. Um, but I think much like the new wave of British heavy metal back in the sort of late 70s, early 80s, the cream will rise to, to the top. And... Um, I think, you know, bands like Revival Black and Florence Black and Cardinal Black and basically any band that's got black in the title should be fine. They're, they're all really good quality bands. And I think they've, you know, hopefully, there's plenty of others, by the way, guys. Mason Hill and Those Damn Crows and, and so Scarlet on. Scarlet Rebels. Scarlet Rebels. So many to mention. Yeah. Because they're, they're all great. I mean, they're all good. I mean, they're all, they all deserve to have really strong, solid, successful futures. And, but I particularly like uh, Revival Black, uh, who I think uh, uh, got a brilliant front man and singer in, in Dan Byrne. Uh, but the rest of the band, great musicianship, well produced. Give it a listen. Yeah, I, ag- I agree. And I think when you've got a talented singer um, like Dan, and for those people who, you know, this is... Usually with a band, the second album is always the difficult album. Hmm. And this album flows really, really well. And, and you've it's so well produced. I mean, you've got a singer like Dan. Some bands and producers can focus so much on the singer. Let's let's put the singer high in the mix. You've, you've got to give credit to the guitar players. And there's a few tracks, like my favourite track in the album is Left of Me. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I like left of me and changed changed my mind. It, there are times whenever Dan is singing and the musicality and the the guitar play, it reminds me of um, Slash with Miles Kennedy. It's got that nice rocky meat and potatoes kind of like good G and R guitar riffs, but with a singer who can just go wherever he wants with his vocal, and that's where. That's where I think the band, uh, you know, the double guitars and the rhythm section of the bass, th- they really set that platform to allow Dan to do his thing. But I, I was, you know, really impressed with with Revival Black. Go out and get it. Yep, indeed. So, Matt, that was the new releases. Um, so, my year in rock, 2012. How was it for you? Uh, it was good. A mere 10 years ago <laughs> no other maths you want to throw into that you know multiply it by 57 and <laughs> or oh don't wait for it <laughs> or if you listen to this podcast in the year 2050 <laughs> how is it what's 2050 like please get in touch and let us know where was book um, at some point it'll be what was buck rogers listening to in the was it was he in the 25th century where was 25th century <laughs> that's a long way out <laughs> but if you're listening in 2050 yeah in your one piece spangly jumpsuit and silver boots what's it like what's music like let us know at fc80 pod on twitter or on Facebook. No, anyway, so yes, 2012, a good year, a good year. Good, Ten years yes. Ago, as I said, um, I'm going to do the gigs first because I did. I, I went to some great gigs. I'll tell you what they were. Excellent. That would be good. Interesting. <laughs> saw um, saw the Stones. I won tickets to see the Stones. Believe it or not, in um, the O2 in London, Rolling Stones. It's not not the Stones, not any other Stones. The Rolling Stones. Yeah, and. Um, Two tickets, my wife and I went. It clashed with the same night. I was supposed to go and see Magnum. So unfortunately, I ditched Magnum 
no disrespect to Magnum, the band, I went to see the Stones. It was good. I think everyone should see the Stones at least. It's like going to Vegas. Yes. I think everyone should add other things as well. You know, everyone should do Vegas, go to Vegas once, and at least once, and everyone should see the Stones, I think, at least once. Um, I agree. And they were great. Um, they had Florence from Florence and Machine join them, Mick Taylor, Eric Clapton, and so on. I mean, it was a great night. You nearly um, met my brother, I think. I did. Your brother was there, wasn't he? Yeah. I didn't quite, we didn't quite organise to get together, sadly. Yes. But it was a great night. I also saw, same, same year, saw Guns N' Roses at the, um, at the same venue, actually. Um, obviously, pre-slash joining, rejoining, pre-duff rejoining, but um, still was this, good. Was this Chinese democracy line-up type stuff? It was, yeah, it was that kind of era. You know, they're still sort of, you know, doing the rounds on that album. Um, I think I think uh, Axel was about an hour and a half late from memory. I can't remember exactly. <laughs> it was good. Um, saw a band called Tracer. Now, it's worth mentioning Tracer. One of those sad stories of a really good band, did a really good couple of albums. And we saw them several times when they came to London. They're from Australia. And sadly, they had to fold in about 2014-15 because they they just it was just so costly for them to sort of tour the world or uh-huh. come to Europe from Australia and you know we, we we lose track of the fact that you know it does cost a fortune to move um bands around the world and even across Europe now which is a whole different subject for another day um so Chickenfoot at the O2 Academy Brixton i.e the Brixton Academy you were there weren't you and you met famously met Don Airy me and Don player from me and Don yeah, like yeah. How, how is he doing all right he's doing okay yeah, you've been in touch? I can't really talk about it. That's a no, that's a no then. <laughs> Don Airy, of course, from uh, Rainbow and... Yeah, He's so tall! Deep Purple. He's Is massive! He, uh, really, compared to you, though, most people are, aren't they? Let's be fair. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. Is he the, is he that tall? Did he have his like maybe his like platform boots on from the rain? Maybe he did. Maybe he did. You know. Yeah. Um the, the, Tom Airy. <laughs> I remember that 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 gig. Um saw Wasp at, at Kentish Town. Really? Yeah. Oh, they like packed. I mean Wasp, one of those bands. Um they're kind of marmite really. And you either like them or you don't like them, obviously. That's the essence of being Marmite. Um, but uh, yeah, they were all right. I'm with a friend of mine, Steve Power. Hello, Steve. You're listening. Um, and uh, they were good. It was the crim- I think it was 25 years of the the album, The Crimson Idol. Good album. Memory. Yeah, exactly. And um, that was that was interesting. Uh, I'm glad I got to see them. Um, and then finally, for the for the final time, I saw Motorhead at the uh, Brixton Academy, uh, supported by Anthrax. Now, a little story here. Um, so for those who know Brixton Academy, and it's not the situation anymore, they, they used to have these massive wooden doors between the bar, which you have to go through to go into the auditorium. So you go through the, through the entrance, through the bar, in through these massive wooden doors, and then you're in the auditorium. And we, uh, we went for a couple of drinks beforehand, a group of us, and... Um, we opened these wooden doors just about halfway through the anthrax set, and we couldn't get, we couldn't even get the doors open. There were so many people in there. Um, sort of a bit of anthrax, they were good, but Motorhead, I don't think I've ever heard anything so loud in my life. And I remember thinking at the time, all these songs are just kind of just a wall of noise, but looked over to people next to me and they were singing along. <laughs> I thought, what are you, 
<laughs> it's like I can't distinguish one song from another and you're singing along. I was just, but that's Motorhead fans for you, I guess. But, oh, goodness. Yeah, I mean, fantastic. Glad I got to see Lemmy. Um, well, I'd seen him earlier earlier in, in the in the 80s, but um, last time I saw um, last time I saw Motorhead was uh, back in 2012. So, yeah, good year for gigs. A real eclectic mix. Well, obviously, you can hear. Um, Albums-wise, last album from Rush came out, Clockwork Angels, the aforementioned Rush. Uh, I think mentioning just because it was a good album, a good swan song to their career. Yeah. Um, and the last song they ever recorded is an absolute beauty, a song called The Garden, uh, which is, I was listening to earlier today, absolute beautiful song. Uh, also off the album Headlong Flight, Caravan. Uh, Down released Amaryllis, which is still one of my favourite, probably my favourite uh, Down album. Uh, the title song is, is is just fantastic. Songs like Unity, Adrenaline. Um, Rival Sons, who we saw a few weeks ago, um, released Head Down. Probably my again, probably my favorite Rival Sons album. Uh, Until the Sun Comes, Keep On Swinging, Wild Animal, songs that are in their, their now set. So, um, yeah, from an album perspective, it's good. Too many to choose from, Bri. Um, You know, we had uh, live albums from um, Iron Maiden, we had the comeback album from Van Halen, Different Kind of Truth, and, and so on. So, but you're gonna probably not mention. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't their. It wasn't their best piece of work, was it? To be fair, it was better than Van Halen three. That's all I can say. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> memories of memories of ten years ago for you, Brian. Uh, um, t- I. We, uh, you finished university then, obviously. I had finished university. Yeah. Ju- okay, just, good. just. I okay, was good, good. Um, probably still paying off, paying <laughs> off my student student debt. Um, like, I, yeah. <laughs> for me, I went to quite a similar amount of tours as you did. Um, so I did, as you say, did Chicken Foot, saw the Stones, probably the two standout um, gigs for me um, in, in 2012 is I got to see the reformed uh, It Bites. So It Bites, um, uh, who um, Francis Donnelly was no longer with the band, John Mitchell, who I'm a big fan of, um, was fronting It Bites in 2012. They played a great set in a, a nice little club in Glasgow. Uh, it was fantastic, and I got to see the f- the final fair. Well, here's here's it was uh, dubbed the farewell tour of Thin Lizzy um, mm. in 2012, and I was lucky enough to to meet the band uh, around Christmas time. Um, so I got to meet Scott and Damon Johnson and and Brian and the and Brian Downey. So that was those are the great gigs of 2012 for me. But um, albums wise, just you've you've covered so many of the great albums just a couple that i'll just call out um black country communion um they they released actually my favorite um album it's probably the the as much as the um black country communion one and two came sort of like quickly after each other um the third album which was called afterglow they were on a real Black Country Communion seemed to be on a real momentum. You know, they they toured the live album, Live Over Europe had come out, and the third album had come out, and then after the third album, it all just petered out, and they the mm. schedules became a barrier to the band continuing. Um, um, so that that's a great album. Check that out. Um, Mike Portnoy during the the mid two thousand and tens. Do we call it the Do we call it the tens, Matt? <laughs> the the tens, so. the tens. I don't really know. Yeah, yeah. Let's yeah. So Mike Mike Portnoy had obviously left. 
<laughs> he had left Dream Theater. I'm laughing, ladies and gentlemen, not because Mike Portnoy had left Dream Theater, but it's just Matt is now pretending that he's playing the 900-piece drum kit that Mike Portnoy has on stage. Um, yeah, so Mike Portnoy had put a uh, another, wait for it, Matt, super group. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so this is a super group with, um, uh, with Mike, Dave LaRue, Neil Morse, who he's in Transatlantic with, and Steve Morse, um, who was from Deep Purple. Was it called Morse Code? <laughs> they were called Morse Code. The band was called Flying Colours. Oh, close. So they put their they put their debut album out. So if you like your progressive rock in a um, with a with a touch of Steve Morse from Deep Purple and that kind of things, the the debut uh, Flying Color album is there. And I would just like to give a shout out to uh, uh, the Europe's album Bag of Bones. Uh, it's mm-hmm. a great classic rock album. Um, some of the, the Planet Rock in 2012, Matt, um, you'll remember this, um, they plugged to death, not supposed to sing the blues. It was it mm. was a real good, um, really, really good album. And then this, they followed that up with uh, the single, which we heard at Steelhouse, Firebox. So uh, yeah. yeah, check out um, Europe's Bag of Bones album was good. So tw- 2012, great year, Matt. Indeed, and the year of the London Olympics. It was well. indeed. I was there. Yeah, yeah. Well, you were, what, what? What event were you in then? Hundred meters. No, I contributed financially to the. To, I bought some tickets. I was. I was at the. Uh, what was? What did I go to? I went to the athletics on the first night, opening night. I went to the athletics to see Jessica Ennis Hill. Did you? I can remember it well. Hmm. I, I went to the I went to the marathon because it was yeah. free. Yeah. Did you? <laughs> I did. The only thing I went because I, I didn't get my I didn't get my act together to get tickets for the Olympics. So my wife and I, uh, which was my wife then, uh, Kate and I went to see. Uh, I stood outside St Paul's Cathedral in London and watched the the marathon. We went to the Paralympics as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that was good. Yeah. Must give a mention to. Paralympics as well, but yeah, it's a good year, good year all round. So, Brian, that was 2012. Yeah. Um, next time in episode 37, I would like you to take us back to the dim, distant past, 2005, okay. if you would. Happy to. Thank you. A mere <laughs> 17 <laughs> years ago. I'm going to stop doing that. It's getting boring. <laughs> When my hair was short. Uh, it's right. right, yes. Uh, so, a couple of weekends ago, we and a few of our friends and family were at the Stone Dead Festival in Newark, Nottinghamshire, UK. A one-day festival designed around the old Monsters of Rock at Donington format. Single stage, <clears throat> plenty of bands. Obviously, it's kind of moved on from the down the Donington days of Monster Rock, but single stage, good quality bands. What did you think of it? It was good, wasn't it? Good day out. It was a brilliant day out. <clears throat> uh, the, the weather was very kind to us, even in... Mm. What about the weather, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> good festival, good weather. Because us Brits love to talk about the weather, don't we? It's all about the weather. First and foremost, what was the weather like? Uh, I thought it was really good. Well organised. good. It was weather right. Great. Hey, tell us about it. So yeah, it was it was tr- extremely well organised. Yeah. Um, 
loads of volunteers, lovely volunteers, got to give a shout out to the lovely volunteers. And of course, the, the whole team that organised it was just fantastic. No, nothing left to chance and uh, really, really good festival. Memories, Brian? Memories for me. Um, well, I'll, I'll leave you to talk about the Friday night because, of, of course, obviously, I'm a, I'm a part... <laughs> No memories of the Friday night, I'm afraid. I do. I do remember the Friday night vaguely. Revival Black, massive, and headliners Black Spiders. All good. All good. Were they all good? Okay. Well, we'll leave it there. Friday night. Friday is in the dim distant past. Indeed. But not as uh, yeah. So my, I had two, uh, great memories of, uh, of Stone Dead. Number one, the Mm. treatment. Matthew, yes. where has the treatment been and why have we, why do I not know about the treatment? As you know, and as everybody knows, I'm a bit of a part-time, I'm a, even, even a one-day festival, I do like to go and have my afternoon siesta. Mm. And, and as I was walking out of the arena to go and have my little mid-afternoon <laughs> uh, <laughs> siesta... Oh my goodness. The, 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 one-day festival, you still have a little nap. I still had have a little nap. And I was walking, I was honestly nearly at the exit and the treatment came on Mm. and it was like, sorry, when did ACDC reform? And they played tracks like Shake the Mountain, The Doctor. So you can remember, I just turned tail and came back in and rocked my little backside off to the treatment. Mm. They were phenomenal. I loved the treatment. They were great, great band. Um, ah, gosh, even, even these Wicked Rivers starting out lunchtime, um, they put a great, great, great set in. Heat, mm. as we know, I missed. Uh, oh, yes, famously. <laughs> yes, you slept all the way through them at Steelhouse, didn't you? I did. I did. And mm. I'm so pleased that I got, I got to, uh, I got to see Heat. They were great. The lead singer out of Heat, he was bouncing about and jumping about all over the place. He was mm. full of activity. Kenny Lacremo. Yeah, Kenny Lacremo with his long, mm. long hair. Yeah, very long hair. Yeah. Who did you... I think I think at one point he was in row two. He went into the <laughs> audience. He was in row two and his hair was in row 32. Is that long? He was, he was very long. It was like, Dan, he looked like Danny Vaughan from Taiketa. That, that long. Yeah. Or Ray Gillen. It was Ray Gillen-esque hair. Mm. Yeah. Um, Magnificent hair. Hair of the day, I would say. As opposed to to hair of the dog, which is what I was drinking. (laughs) And we didn't do that. We we didn't do hair of the day for the Taylor Hawkins tribute. No, it's true. That's that's a new feature. Hair of the day. Hair of the day. Let's do that. Next time around. It's a new feature. feature. So, Um, yeah, that was me off the top of my head. I'll talk about hmm. some other stuff in the festival in a moment. What about you? What were your highlights? (laughs) Well, I really enjoyed it. These Wicker Rivers are good. I mean, they're the guys with the lampshades on stage. Yeah. A fantastic image, big beers, hats and everything. And uh, really good, really, really, really great sort of kicking off the festival at 11.30. Kicking Valentina, a four-piece from um, Atlanta. I mean, if, if you had a swear jar, it had been full after about the first song. <laughs> oh, my goodness, mate. And kids there and everything. Exactly, yes. I was like, hold on, let's. Come on a minute. It's lunchtime on a Saturday. That's true. That's very true. But they were, they were quite a little bit of energy. Course, bless them. Um, similarly, Tigers of Pantang, who I saw, I, I last saw in 1981 at Thetford 
uh, Thetford Sports Centre uh-huh. with with uh, John Sykes was in a band then. All right, uh, okay, yeah. John Deverell, but uh, these days it's just Rob Weir from that classic lineup. Still good, still solid. Um, I was doing, buying chips. Few, you were, you were on the, the, the chip <laughs> chip fan. Give it up. Um, and uh, oh, good though, you know, classic Nwabam, uh still going strong. One remaining member, a bit like Diamond Head, really. Oops, I mentioned them. Um, <laughs> As you say, the treatment were good. Been going a long time, actually. Kelvin, this social media guy, doesn't like to be mentioned, but we're going to mention him anyway. Yeah. He sent me a message saying he bumped into the, the former bass player uh, of uh, the treatment, who was with the band for 12 years. Wow. He's not. He's no longer with them. So they've been going at least 12 years. Their ex-bass player, Rick Swoggle Newman, good name, um, left them in 2020 they'd been, been in the band since 2008 so they've been going a few years but yeah they were they were revelation they were they? All, they were awesome he were good not quite the same energy uh or maybe it was because i saw them for the first time at steel house that it was like a novelty thing mm-hmm. um but they were good all the same stone broken uh were on around sort of three four o'clock spot excellent good solid festival band great band um and uh sadly the only female representation of the whole day was robin the drummer from stonebreaker which i think was a bit sad really um not to say there's lot there's lots there aren't lots of good uh female uh musicians and performers out there but you know maybe a mighty criticism maybe a bit of more of a kind of a uh female presence as it were on stage um but they were good. They were good. Put on a good show. I'd love to see them again. I've seen them a few times and they're a really good festival yeah, band. Yeah. Um, those damn crows were the special guest. And, um, be- but before them, we had Vandenberg. Who do you think of Vandenberg? Oh, I knew you'd turn to me on Vandenberg. <laughs> because it, kind of, it was that white snake kind of era that you love, don't you? Oh, it was... Of all of the bands, I make no bones about it, Matt. As you know, when we were looking at the lineup, who was the one band I was looking forward to seeing the most? Mm. Vandenberg. Mm. And after Stonebroken, who did a really good set, it was as if everybody went for their tea. It's yes, it, it was like I noticed that. Every, I, I literally walked from where we were standing in our usual spot right to the front of the stage. Mm. Stood r- start, uh, no, I didn't bring the chips with me. Mm. Um, mm. I stood, I stood three people from the front of the stage, mm. and I'm standing there, and Vandenberg came out, and mm. I was underwhelmed. Matt it didn't build any momentum of the material. They kind of, for those White Snake fans like me, yes, he did Judgment Day. They did what started off to be a lovely acoustic version of Sailing mm. Ships. Yeah. Which, which, which me and the guy that's standing behind, beside me sang the proper lyrics to. The guy mm. on, you know, Matt's on stage kind of like forgot some of the the, the mm. lyrics. They that did was Judgment a Day theme later in the day, wasn't it? Yes, and then and then of course the, the don't get me wrong. Everybody was sent home after the Vandenberg set when they played Here I Go Again, which is a White yeah. Snake cover. So mm. I just felt for an hour's worth of material. I thought Vandenberg just seemed either undercooked, under-rehearsed, or just were working on a European set list and not really thinking of uh, whatever. It just just didn't click for me, Matt. And I was gutted. I love mm. Adrian Vandenberg. I love him. Mm. Yeah, I know yeah. you do. Yeah. I know you do. 
Um, which brings us to those damn crows, a special guest who were just fantastic. Um, just go from strength to strength. And are really turning into a, you know, really, really, you know, big quality sort of almost kind of arena sized band. And the high point of their gig, of their show was they did a club, a cover of Video Killed the Radio Star. They did. Which was, which was just fantastic. The whole audience was singing along because <laughs> we, all, we all remember that. 1970, no, whatever it was, 1979, 80, whatever it was. Um, that song came out, but yeah, it was tremendous. I really enjoyed that. And the Michael Schenker group finished the, the proceedings uh, as the headliner. I just I was a little bit disappointed. They weren't quite as tight as when we'd seen them at Steelhouse with Robin McCauley. Uh, Ronnie Romero uh, had a few challenges with the lyrics for the UFO songs, which is a, which is a shame because obviously the majority of people there knew the songs and were probably seeing the correct lyrics, a bit like you and Vandenberg. But still, I mean, Schenker was tremendous on form. Um you know, fantastic guitarist. I mean, I could watch him all day. Um, so that was it. That was the end of Stone, Stone Dead. It was a great festival. Going again next year. I think you are too. I am. I recommend everyone get your tickets. They're selling fast. Really, really good festival uh, up in the uh, up in Nottinghamshire. Couldn't agree England. more. Couldn't agree. Mm. And and for somebody who isn't doesn't follow those damn crows as much as you do, Matt, the mm. biggest compliment I could give those damn crows were. You could have finished the night off with their. They could have. That was a headlining show that they did. Mm, that night. the crowd yeah. really. The amount of people that were wearing the band's t-shirts during the day. But there was loads of people willing them on. They they just took it to a point where, as a special guest, you are usually kicking the ah, you're kicking the arse of the main headliner. And I don't mm. think Michael Schenker just r- rose to the challenge. Um, mm. But don't get me wrong, Schenker's version of Rock Bottom with the with the guitar solo that he did in the middle of it was just mesmeric. All guitar players Absolutely. watching that were, would go, "You're just you're just saying rock royalty guitar hero." And you know how many times more will we see Michael Schenker playing mm. as amazingly as he did? So, but as I say, we'll be back next year. Great festival. Absolutely. Love that. Absolutely. So, young Brian, that brings us on to everyone's favourite, etc., etc., blah, blah, blah. It's a bit of the old podcast. Hidden Jim's eyes. Thank you, Lola. Beautiful voice, as always. So, Brian, what you got for us? I am going with a Foo Fighters connection for my head, Jim. I am indeed. Okay. And it's something that I watched on Friday evening. Mm-hmm. It is a documentary which is available on... Amazon Prime videos, and it's a documentary called What Drives Us. Have you seen it? I have not. Okay. It is a documentary which it's uh, Dave Grohl interviewing his, uh, lots of his famous friends, and it tells the stories and the adventures of bands starting out and hitting the road in their vans. So it's all about the stories of... Being in the van, um, you've got, oh gosh, you've got contributions from Flea, um, The Edge from U2, Ringo Starr, um, but w- what's really nice about it is Dave um, focuses a little bit, not just on his famous friends and colleagues, but he picks out two up-and-coming bands, one called Radkey and one called Starcrawler. And they're mm-hmm. young bands, and they're doing the circuit and playing the bars, um, and uh, it's a gr- 
it goes back. It tells you the stories of of how ba- you know how bands are uh, how they started out around America, uh, building up the playing colleges, playing bars. The bass player out of No Doubt is hilarious. He tells a story. Really? Yeah, he's. I think there was about they they were they were in a van drove for like four hours to go to this club they go to play in this club sold zero tickets <laughs> so they sold zero tickets I think the guitar player went out for dinner in a pub or something or a, and 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 basically brought these people from the pub to the club who didn't pay right. the tickets so there was like seven people on stage and four people in the audience <laughs> and, and and members of the band used to jump down off the stage to try and balance things up between how many people were in the audience so it just it tells you the story about um it tells you the story about how bands started out and i thought as i watched the um you know the foo fighters did a tour recently where they all mm. got back in a van and I just thought sometimes what cements a band is that time of of staying in a you know in a van all you know all trying to get organised as who's going to sleep in the back and who's going to do this and whatever. It's a fascinating documentary and and it, um you know there's there's little touches with uh, with the Foo Fighters in it as well too. Great documentary and it's on Prime Video. That's my hidden gem. How no, about you, excellent. man? No, I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, well, I've got an album. Uh, from 2012 um, one that we couldn't squeeze in earlier but an absolute gem uh, dare I say a hidden gem <laughs> um, yeah I, I did you I did. didn't get away with it you did yeah. get away with it right so this is uh, the debut album from Mark Tremonti who's he I hear you say uh, well Mark Tremonti is the guitarist from Waterbridge and was also the guitarist in Creed and this was his debut album as a solo performer, uh, both singing and playing guitar. And I think I've said it before uh, on the old podcast in the, in the context of Waterbridge, a fantastic singer. Um, and this album is a, just a, a brilliant debut. All I was from 2012. Mm. Um, I remember, it, uh, you know, when, again, we talked about this a little while ago. Uh, I remember um, I used to drive around with this uh, on CD in the car Um and, uh, and I remember that era, my kids were obviously a bit younger and, you know, moving them around and just driving around and, you know, all the rest of it. Um, great songs. Leave It Alone's on there. You Waste Your Time, the title track, All I Was, uh, So You're Afraid. I, think, I, I mean, I know, he's done a few um, solo albums since then and they're all good, but I think this is probably the best of his solo material. So Hidden Gem this time is... The album All I Was by Mark Tremonti. Great album. And mm. can you, when they when he toured that album, can, went, you, yeah. can you remember who the bass player was? I do. It was a young fellow by the name of Wolfgang Van Halen. Boom. Yes. There you go. Yeah. I saw them in the Electric Ballroom in London. And uh, yeah, fantastic. Great venue, good band, and uh, the great Wolfgang on bass. So yeah, nice way of kind of bookending the thing from the... Um, Telehawkins show. So that's it for now. Just a quick um, sending best wishes to Phil Mogg of UFO. Uh, recently had a heart attack. Uh, we, be, we wish the great man well. We also wish Danny Bowes well from Thunder, who's had an operation on a head injury. Yeah. So we wish him well. We wish everyone well. We wish all our listeners well. We hope you're all well. 
you're enjoying the podcast, please get in touch at FTAT Pod on Twitter, on Instagram, and also on Facebook. We'll see everyone next time, won't we, Brian? We will episode, indeed. Episode 30 something. <laughs> 37, Matthew. Episode 37. Yes, indeed. Look forward to it. See you, mate. All the See best. You, mate. All the best. Rock on. Does Bad Pod, we salute you, is a Maylee Rogers production. 